Hello from the Financial Times in Tehran. I'm Andrew England, Middle East editor, and this is News in Focus, where we offer our insights into the stories that matter. Iranians went to the polls this month to vote in parliamentary elections that will give an indication into the political direction the country is taking. These elections come at a crucial time for the Islamic Republic, with the future of the Iran nuclear deal in doubt and a resurgence in the power of the country's isolationist hardliners. I'm here in Tehran with our correspondent, Najmeh Borzogmeyer, to discuss all of this. Najmeh, let's set the stage first. Politics in Iran is often described as a contest between reformers, those who want to modernise from within the Islamic regime and improve relations with the West, and hardliners, or those who call themselves principalists, who want to preserve the strict theocracy founded after the 1979 revolution. Is that the best way to understand Iranian politics today? Yes, Andrew. At least over the past four decades, that's how Iran's politics has been divided between reformers and principalists or hardliners. Before that, Iran's politics was divided between lefties and righties. As you said, reformers have been trying to engage with the outside world to what they call reconcile with the outside world, whereas hardliners see their power in further closing up the country, less foreign investments in the country, and keeping the ideology of the Islamic revolution, which is to bring social justice not only to the oppressed in the country, but also the Islamic world. Of course, the key issue here when we're thinking about Iranian politics is both reformers and hardliners want to preserve the Islamic Republic. The issue is their difference about the best direction it should take to ensure its survival. That's exactly the case. Reformists are not the opposition to the Islamic Republic. They think the way for the Islamic Republic to survive is to make reforms, to make political and economic reforms and social and cultural reforms, whereas for hardliners, as you start reforms, then you don't know in which direction it's going to go, which they think would actually put the survival of the system at risk. Okay, and the key thing here is Iran's demographics, a very young, urbanised, aspirant population. So it's meeting the aspirations of that population and trying to prevent social instability. Now, you've been out talking to voters in Tehran ahead of the elections. Let's hear a few voices from some of those you spoke to. I don't want to vote. I have voted many times, but not this time. I don't want to be a part of this system. It has created a lot of economic problems for the society. Iran's foreign policy closed doors to the world, something like uh, North Korea. No, I won't vote this time because I don't think this is a real election and it is engineered by regime. And I don't believe this regime could be reformed anymore. And I assume uh, it is time for a regime change in Iran. Yes, of course, I'm scared of war with U.S., but maybe it's a price to pay. This time I have not decided yet because I can't judge whom I should choose. But I am afraid of not voting because of possible future problems it would cause. For example, when I want to be employed in a state organization. So I will most probably vote. 
Lajmik, how represented do you think these views are of the country as a whole? They do represent the public mood, the disillusionment in the country, and lack of hope in the future. Iranians were pinning a lot of hope on the nuclear accord that President Hassan Rouhani signed with world powers in 2015. And they were hoping that this would bring some economic prosperity, opening up to the outside world. But since President Donald Trump withdrew from the nuclear agreement and imposed the toughest sanctions against the country, which is weighing heavily on people's shoulders and all the economic hardships that they are going through, you can see a lot of despair that they think elections would not make any difference in their lives anymore. Okay, that's interesting because these elections were boycotted by some reformers in protests against a crackdown on demonstrations in November. Those demonstrations were triggered by the government increasing fuel prices by at least 50%. And according to Amnesty International, several hundred people were killed. In addition to that, many moderates were barred from standing as candidates in the parliamentary elections. And turnout was also expected to be low or lower than usual, and you and I went around polling stations in Tehran, and we saw just a trickle of voters going in to cast their ballots. Where we did see bigger lines, it tended to be people you would consider to be conservatives. Given that background, how legitimate can these elections be considered, particularly given that the Islamic Republic's leadership uses these elections to claim political legitimacy? Uh, you know, the Islamic Republic attaches great importance to turnout and considers high turnout as a way to show it has popular legitimacy. But many people thought this is not a legitimate election because many reformist candidates were disqualified, including about a fourth of sitting members of parliament. But even if reformist candidates were allowed to run, it's not clear that people would have voted for them. People think members of parliament cannot do much for them to improve their economic situation. Okay, that's interesting. Given that we know that the Parliament's powers have been restricted or limited by the other power centres within the political system here, where the ultimate decision maker is Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, do these elections really matter? Is the Parliament an important body? And why should we be caring about the outcome of this vote? The parliament in theory is very important in the Islamic Republic. It passes laws which affect people's lives. It has the power to impeach ministers. It has the power to even impeach the president. And more important than that, under the current circumstances, it shows in which direction the country's politics is going. In this specific parliamentary election, hardliners are going to dominate the parliament and they think that they can win the next presidential election too. And this will have an impact on the succession of the supreme leader. This is quite a historic period, at least over the next decade, that Iran probably will have to decide about the succession of the supreme leader when he dies. And the tensions with the U.S. have never been this high. So for Iran's politicians, we are entering into an extremely important period. 
If we go back to 2015, when President Rouhani sealed the nuclear deal, and then 2016 when it was implemented, there was a lot of hope among Iranians that this would lead to re-engagement with the West after years of isolation, and that there would be Western investment flooding into this country of 80 million people, resource-rich, etc. And that was the expectation, the hope, the aspiration of many young Iranians. You and I covered the election in 2017 when President Rouhani won a landslide to secure a second term based on people voting on the nuclear deal and the promise that it would bring in that investment. Now that Donald Trump has withdrawn from it and we assume that hardline is going to be in the ascendancy, does that mean that those hopes have been crushed and that any chance of re-engagement with the West have died? Those hopes have definitely disappeared and people have not much hope that anyone can help them. American sanctions have destroyed people's hope in their future, in any engagement with the West. In normality, they think their life is going to get even more difficult in the future because Iran's leaders show no sign of negotiations with the Trump administration. They call on people to put up with the pressure. This is the message that is coming from Iran's leaders to people. And on the other hand, the U.S. shows also no sign of retreat from sanctions. And people hear every day there are more sanctions, more sanctions. So I don't know how Iranians can get out of this mood of despair. President Rouhani was never considered a reformer in Iranian political terms, certainly yeah. not in the republic. He was seen as a pragmatist. But reformers did back him because they yes. saw him as a way to achieve their goals. And he has enjoyed significant support in the current parliament. But clearly the virtual collapse of the nuclear deal, which was his main platform on foreign policy, on economic policy, has severely weakened him. Has he retained his popularity and just how weak is he today? Mr. Rouhani was never a popular figure in Iran's political spectrum. In 2013, when reformists did not have any candidate because they were all disqualified, they had no other choice but to support Mr. Rouhani. And Mr. Rouhani gambled on the nuclear agreement with the U.S. As long as the nuclear agreement and negotiations were going on well, reformists were proud of Mr. Rouhani and people were also happy. But as soon as the nuclear deal collapsed, so did the possession of Mr. Rouhani. And of course, his second and final term will end next year. So it looks like he will be a spent force after that. And then the key question is, what chance would a reformist candidate have against a hardline candidate at next year's election? Well, with the victory of hardliners in the parliamentary election, it's not clear a prominent reformist candidate will be able to run in the presidential election. The expectation is a reformist candidate will be disqualified. But let's see, with the current mood, no reformist candidate has any chance to win, even if allowed to run. Now, last month, the US and Iran came close to war after an American drone strike killed Qasem Soleimani, the revered, in Iranian terms, commander of the Quds Force, the overseas wing of the Revolutionary Guards. He was killed in Baghdad, stunning blow to the regime here. He was more than just a commander. He was seen as this powerful, respected, influential figure, both politically and militarily, in Iran. It was even talked that he could somehow 
be involved in the process to decide the successor to Ayatollah Khomeini. How much of a loss is he? Qasem Soleimani's death is a loss for Iran as well as for the Islamic Republic. As we saw, the number of people who showed up in his funeral astonished even the Islamic Republic, even Iran's leaders. He was in a unique position. He was not only supported by principalists, he was backed by reformists as well. He was respected by all political groups. He was seen more as a national figure rather than a revolutionary, ideologically motivated military commander. So will it have an impact on the succession issue? There was a lot of hope that a figure who was respected and considered by political groups as a moderate figure could curb hardliners on some fateful days like the succession of the supreme leader. He could prevent Iran's radicalism. But we saw how quickly hardliners were encouraged after his death that Iran's future should be tied up with radicalism rather than moderation. They are encouraged that the only way to respond to U.S. hostility and aggression is radicalism. Indeed, and what you do hear a lot in Iran is that while Trump says he's pressuring the Republic to do X, Y, and Z, renegotiate the nuclear deal, scale back on its ballistic missile program, and end its funding for regional militant groups, What you hear here is it's just vindicated the hardliners who support the policies on regional security in terms of sponsoring proxy groups, in terms of developing the missile systems. There is one thing that is certain. Iran is not going to change its policies in the Middle East. It's the biggest leverage of power that the Islamic Republic thinks it has, which is its proxy forces in the Middle East, and there is no retreat from that, as far as we can see today. Of course, an important thing to say is that the other signatories to the nuclear deal, which includes France, the UK, Germany, Russia, China, opposed Trump's decision to pull out of it and have opposed Trump's decision to put sanctions on Iran. The challenge they're having is they cannot deliver the economic benefits that Iran was promised when it signed the deal. I mean, under the deal, Iran agreed to limit its nuclear activity in return for the benefits of having many sanctions lifted. What we've seen is the sweeping effect of the Trump administration's sanctions mean that it's very difficult for any Western or Asian entity to deal with Iran now. And that's caused Iran to increase its nuclear activity. Now, Tehran does say it's still committed to the nuclear deal, and it still does allow IAEA inspectors to monitor its nuclear activity, etc. But the deal does look on the verge of collapse. I mean, it's dead all but in name. What is Iran's strategy here, and do you think the nuclear deal can survive? I don't think the Islamic Republic has any intention to pull out from the nuclear agreement, even if it's not really working. But one policy that Iran has is to prevent international consensus against Iran, which is why even though Europeans cannot deliver on financial incentives, Iran has not pulled out the nuclear agreement yet. We probably won't see tensions with Europe. Iran will try to avoid any unnecessary tensions with Europeans. If more moderate or reformist voices are shut out of the political system, do you think this could lead to unrest that might destabilize or even topple the regime? Certainly there are those in the Iranian government who believe 
there are people in the Trump administration who want to push for regime change. And we have seen eruptions of social unrest, like in November, again in January, after Iran admitted that it had mistakenly shot down a Ukrainian passenger jet, killing all those on board. Do you think that we could get to a situation where there is an explosion of unrest? I think protests will continue, no matter who is in power, reformists and hardliners, because the economic problems are so big that no political group can come to power and resolve those problems. But the difference could be in crackdown. If reformists are in power, they may try to curb hardliners' crackdown, whereas if hardliners are in power, they may see no obstacles inside the regime to continue with crackdown. But I think the Islamic Republic is also accepting the fact that unrest will continue partly because there is no alternative to the Islamic Republic. There is no organized opposition inside Iran and outside Iran which can threaten survival of the Islamic Republic. Thanks, Nasri. Remember, you can read more on this important story on FT.com. And if you missed our recent episodes on why fossil fuels could prove a bad investment, South Korea's K-pop phenomenon, or Tesla's soaring share valuation, you can subscribe and listen on all the usual podcast platforms. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.